Hey everyone, in this week's episode, Katie and I are really answering a question that we've been getting quite a bit over the last really three to six weeks, and that's how are we going to find community in this new town that we've moved to? And many of you know that we felt we were just really close with the community that we had uh, in Bend, Oregon. But about three weeks ago, we moved away from Bend and we're coming to a, it's my hometown. And so that's not like we're moving to an entirely new area. Uh, But we thought we would answer the question on how Katie and I have seen community built in our lives around us, how our families have done that, and what we're trying to do right now to build community as our own family in a new town. If you folks enjoy this podcast, Katie and I would just be so blessed if you're able to leave a rating or a review. I don't know if there's anything that brings Katie and I more joy than than reading uh, the kind words that so many of you have written on iTunes, the review the reviews that you've written on iTunes. And uh, and so if any of you folks feel so obliged, no, no, feel so inclined, obliged, inclined, I don't know. Katie, can you help me out with this one? <laughs> I think if you guys want to leave a review, then we'd love to have you click on the five stars or write a review. That's that's exactly that's literally exactly what I was trying to say. So let's get this thing going. Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Here we are, folks, back with another episode of the Now That We're a Family podcast. And Katie and I, I'd say that we're getting into a rhythm and a routine here in our new town, our new apartment. Yeah, I feel like it's really starting to feel like home. It totally is. It's been almost four weeks since we moved here. Lewis Martin's eight weeks old. He's, I don't know, we're getting, we're getting a little bit of a rhythm. Yeah. Life. Oh, yeah. We totally are. Which it, which We're feels good. We're finding our little like haunts here in Centralia. You know, we've been here long enough to go on the same walks a couple times. Yes. Like tonight, we went on one of our favorite walks, yep. and it's just fun that like we have a favorite walk. Yes. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. think that that totally makes sense. So in today's episode, we're going to be speaking a little bit about moving to a new town and finding friends and building community in a new town. And I think that some people. I just I just want to like tag on to your intro here because I think a lot of people know that we came from Bend, Oregon, where a lot of my family was living. But I do kind of want to mention just for the sake of this podcast that even though my family was very present there and there was a large community surrounding them, when Elisha and I got married, we really wanted to be our own family and we wanted to establish our own community and our own friendships. So even though we are a part of our family's community, we did establish a completely different community and a completely different set of friendships outside of those who interacted with our family. And so 
I'm just excited today to talk about building friendships, making community, how that has looked, you know, for both of us growing up, because I moved 21 times in 21 years. I think we mentioned that before, but I just moved so often with my family, and my mom especially was so good at plugging into a community so quickly. And I'm saying like on some of our shorter trips that were six weeks long, I have lifelong friends. I have people who came to my wedding from those six-week little vacations that my family took. Mm. So I think I've learned a lot, and I feel really confident that anywhere Elisha and I go, we are going to be able to plug in really quickly. Yeah, I think it's, you know, Katie and I definitely hear amongst peers, fellow millennials and really really people from any walk of life, that they have a, a void in that area of their life. They're, they're approaching this subject from an area of feeling like they're lacking community or they've never seen it exemplified or they've never experienced it. And that's definitely not where Katie and I are coming from on this topic. In fact, I don't think Katie or I have ever once felt an absence. I don't think we've ever felt. Never felt an absence. Yeah, I don't think we've ever felt an absence of community in our life. And I know that for one reason, I think that can be being a part of a big family. I think that's one reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, you definitely feel like your own community wherever you go. That's for sure. Like, yeah. There's just a lot of people surrounding you, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So coming from big families, I think, has, you know, lent to that. But in addition to that, like Katie already mentioned with her parents, my parents as well were very proactive in creating community. They were the ones that, uh, I guess, were reaching out. They were initiating relationships within our hometown. And then also, in addition to that, Katie mentioned moving many times. And although I didn't move growing up, actually hardly at all, we stayed in the same town and we only moved to, moved a couple different houses. Uh, I grew up playing music with my family and we toured to churches playing music. And I would say we visited around 300 churches over the course of you know a 12, 12 year span. And I think that was really cool to see how my parents really kept that same mindset of connecting with fellow believers when visiting new churches. They weren't, they didn't just sit back and play a passive role. Even though we were visiting sometimes, they really reached out to people and were proactive in building relationships, even when we were just visiting or passing through. Yeah. And I just think it's really, really important that anytime we have a desire or something that we might even think is a need to not just sit back and expect someone else to assume that that is something we need to have filled and have them fill that desire for us. We need to take the action. We just need to own the solution. Like mm. we are the solution. And I think of this in marriage. If I want a good marriage, I can't just sit around and wait for Elisha to make our marriage great. If I want a good marriage, I can take action right now hmm. in creating a good marriage. And hopefully, because it does take two to tango, he will see that effort and start putting in effort as well. And I just think that's totally the case with community. We can't just move to a new town and expect, oh, we're here. Who's going to invite us over? Yeah. We obviously need friends. We yeah. obviously need community. We need to take those first steps. We just need to own that if we have the desire for community, that's our prerogative to fill it. Mm -hmm. And over time, that reciprocation, reciprocation, hopefully will happen. Yes, I agree. Well, and it's interesting, even moving here to Centralia, uh, where we're living now about four weeks ago, 
I was able to kind of see that scenario from the perspective of being a new person to town, even though I grew up here and had many established connections and relationships, we were the new kids in town. And it it only made sense for me to be the people that were initiating dinners or initiating getting together with different people because we kind of had the time on our hands. We were the ones at home in the evening without you know, a bunch of commitments that we've had for years because we've lived in the same town for years. And so I think when I look at it from that perspective, again, I get you think, and I think it's probably even taught or preached that, you know, we need to welcome new people to the community. And by all means, do that. If you're, if you're able to invite people into your home that are new to the community, by all means, reach out and welcome them yeah, in. Yeah, I think that's like an ideal situation, obviously, as people who are really at home, you know, welcoming people into a community. Yes. But like you said, <laughs> that's not the position we're currently in. And we shouldn't assume that that's what other people should do for us. Yeah, because when I look at these people that are at home, as you say, they're the ones that are busy with their routines that are established. And we're the ones that are not busy with the routines that are established. We don't have any established routines yet in this new town. And so we're able to reach out and say, hey, are you free on Thursday? And we can initiate because we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night open. (laughs) And, And we're able to kind of work around our schedule, which is easy to work around and try to accommodate other people's schedules. Yeah, and obviously I we moved to a town where Elisha literally knows like everybody here. We walk down the street and he does recognize everybody. People know he's a Voteberg. That's really cool. But creating a community and establishing friendships is different than just being like known on the street or acknowledged. Hmm. And so even though we're here, it would be easy to kind of sit back and not form those real friendships outside of our family relationships, not form that real deep community. And we're talking about the community where we came from, where people would call us out if they sent something in our marriage Hmm. or they would take Elisha aside if they felt like he should be leading our family differently or the women would talk to me there are people you could cry with or share your life with and that's what we're talking about when we talk about community so even though we're moving here where we know a lot of people we're trying to focus on creating those in-depth friendships yes and those in-depth relationships aside from our family because our family is incredible but but that's not what we're talking about here, I guess. Yes, exactly. On this podcast. Yeah, so it's it's really not coming. We're not trying to build this from a position of even loneliness or no. or of boredom. No, sitting at home with nothing not. nothing to do. We really want to establish those deep relationships that we experienced back in Bend, and and to be quite honest, were not natural for us to be in at first when we were back in Bend. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> It was a little too close for me. And over time, though, I realized the benefit of it, and I really came to embrace that closeness. Yes. Yeah, so Katie and I attended the last church that we were at for about three and a half years. And I'd say for about two and a half of those years, we really did not quite feel connected. We didn't quite feel like we were driving with everybody in a close way. But we we stuck with it. We really desired to be close and to feel connected and to experience that community. And I'd say the last year at that church, we really experienced that, which obviously made it difficult to leave. But it also kind of gave us insight to what a community can be. Yeah, absolutely. And just to give you guys something really practical that we're doing is we're having someone over for dinner 
every Thursday night. And that's just something we're doing to build those deeper friendships. And I just want to talk about inviting a little bit here because I think sometimes we can think, oh, we're reaching out. And we said, like, we should hang out sometime, you know, to someone you meet in the park or at church or something. To be real frank with you, when I say we should hang out sometime, I'm kind of saying I don't really want to hang out ever Hmm. (laughs) unless I go home and like have your number and send you a text and I'm like, okay, so are you free Monday or are you free Thursday night? And so I think often people assume if you go to a new church and you're like, we should hang out sometime and they're like, yeah, we should hang out sometime. And then you're like, I invited them. Like I told them I wanted to hang out and they never connected with me. Like that's not a invitation. Hmm. That's just like a common social phrase of like, (laughs) you're a nice person. (laughs) At least that's how I treat it. So an invite has a time, a place and a reason Hmm. like an activity. And for us, we really love the home. And I think it's just a way to have people really see you in your element. We get to know people a lot better in their homes. A third place like a third party place what do you say that a third space a third space yeah a third space like a coffee shop or something like that totally works but i just think there's something really really special about having someone over to your home regardless of the size and regardless of of really anything yeah like we can have someone over to our home and eat beans and rice and have it be a fantastic time of really getting to yeah it was always remarkable for me when we would have different couples or families over to our house for dinner that we're a part of our church. And a lot of times we weren't able to have these families over for dinner until like after being in church with them for like a year or a year and a half. And I was always blown away with how much better I was able to get to know them mm-hmm. by w- having one dinner in our home. And you really, and you get to hear their story. And a lot of times you just don't get that space in a church environment when you're going to like a church meeting and having that corporate gathering, you don't get that space or that time to really get to hear people's stories and uh, and really know where they're coming from. Yeah. And I do want to say this because it can sound really daunting when it's like, how do I build community? If hmm. you move somewhere and you don't have any close friends, it only takes one person. It literally only takes one person because chances are that person has friends. And if you connect with that person, then you're going to be able to connect with their friend group. And I think of this, we moved to a town when I was 14 years old in Dufer, Oregon, and there was only 600 people in the town. And we moved there knowing one family. And we met that one family through one family we knew up in Washington, Hmm. literally one family. After six months, we knew the entire town. We knew people that were friends of the one family we knew yeah. in Washington, in Idaho, in Kimberly, Oregon, in Bend, Oregon. We knew so many people, and I still know so many people, from knowing that one family because hmm. they just had a gigantic network. Hmm. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Just invite one family over and don't think, oh, I have to connect with everybody in this church mm-hmm. or I have to connect with everybody at this small group or the park or whatever. Like my friend, not my friend, my sister, my friend and sister Kyla and her husband, they are living in Kentucky and they invited um, his boss, my brother-in-law's boss over for dinner. Mm -hmm. Like we know people, Elisha has a 
co-worker that he's working with and I just had a brief conversation with him and I told Elisha we need to have them over for dinner yeah like we need to hang out and have them over it really just takes one person yes and so I just want to encourage you in that I guess like when my family lived in Tahoe and we would well we didn't live there (laughs) I felt like it was our home away from home we skied there for about six weeks out of the year and we went to a church there we had a family over for dinner The next year, we were back for six weeks. They came over to our house for dinner again, and then they invited us over to their house for dinner, and we still keep in touch with that family. Yeah. And we met other friends through that. Yes. It's just like so cool how fast that community can happen if you're willing to just invite someone over. Yeah, and I think something that you and your family have done a really good job of, Katie, because like you said, you've moved you moved many times in your childhood and in your youth, and a lot of times you were moving to a town where you knew no one. Yeah, You know, when you guys moved to Colorado Springs and, or even when you moved to Washington and to different, yeah, many of the places you moved, you didn't know anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think what your mom does such a good job of, and it's pat, and I think she's passed it on to you and your siblings is that you have, you don't think or worry about how long you're going to be in a certain town. You just commit mentally and yes. you say, Hey, we're, I don't know how long we're going to be here, but I'm going to make friendships and make them deep and connect with people. And I think it's so easy to feel like a transient in different seasons of life Mm -hmm. and to think, well, I don't know how long I'm going to have this job or we don't know how long we're going to have this apartment or I don't know how long I'm going to be in this town. And as a result, you just kind of float through maybe one year and then two years and you're not really making an effort to connect with people because you're telling yourself, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like you said, a lot of times you made moves that lasted only six months or maybe maybe not six months, but like nine months, like four to six months, four to six months. Yes. But you've still got friendships from those places that you live. Yeah. And I mean, I'm literally saying six week like work slash vacation times because we met a couple that was awesome going to a church in St. Clemente and we had them over for dinner. Again, having someone over for dinner just kind of commits to a friendship. Hmm. And it, you don't ever have to have them over again and it's totally fine, but you're getting to know someone on a way deeper level than just like chatting after church or something. Mm -hmm. So we hung out with this couple and then he invited us, the the dad invited us to go surfing. So we instantly met all these other people living right in the same neighborhood where we were renting and we hung out with them for the rest of our six weeks. And some of those people came to Elisha's in my wedding. Yeah. And we stay in touch with them. And we stay in touch with them. Every time we go down to St. Clemente now, we hit them up and we we have each other's numbers and so it just really doesn't have to be this big ordeal or this monster that I think we can create in our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think having that mindset, Katie, of just you're really looking for one person or one family or one couple to hit it off with. And a lot of times, even if they don't know people, just having that team of you know that one friend can really kind of start satisfying that longing for community. And then all of a sudden you can have strength in numbers and you can b- build a community from that. Yes. You can have the culture enough. You can have enough numbers to start building a culture from that. And I think for me too, especially since moving here, I really had the mindset of we should just have as many people over for dinner on. We really limited it to Thursday because I can kind of get overwhelmed if we're having people over multiple times a week because yeah. we've done that before and it was just really overwhelming. But it's not necessarily seeing a couple 
or a person right away and being like, we are going to be best friends. We are kindred spirits. I will have them over for dinner. Right. It's choosing like, hey, we have similar values. Mm-hmm. Or we have similar morals or our families are in the same stages of life. We want to have you over for dinner and see if a friendship develops. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it takes a while and personalities just don't click right away. And if we go around waiting for the perfect, like love at first sight friendship moment, (laughs) it's probably not going to happen. Yes. I think that's so accurate with many of the friendships that I formed at our last church in Bend, where after a few months I was thinking, man, I just don't connect with these guys that much. They're different than me. I'm different than them. We don't get each other's humor. They don't, they don't get my jokes. They don't see the brilliance in my humor so clearly, I'm not going to be able to have a long-standing friendship with them. Elisha does have brilliant humor. No, I do not. It's dumb. Yes, you I'm joking. Do. Uh, but then, over, but since we had made this commitment to be a part of this church, then over time, I started to really connect with them. And you start understanding them more and seeing life from their perspective and knowing their story. And here I am, you know, leaving these guys, and I miss them. And I cannot wait to reconnect with them. And maybe six months into going to this church, I, I wouldn't have felt that way. It would have been easy for me to walk away from those relationships and not really feel any longing or not miss them at all. But I stuck with it and I became close with them and really appreciated them and enjoyed them. You know, I I feel like they're enjoyable friendships that we have established from just kind of persevering to the next level. And I think why we persevered in those friendships was because we did say like share the same morals and values. So we knew these are good people for us to be around. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like we went into a church that we didn't feel shared any of our beliefs Mm -hmm. or long-term goals or values. And we're like, we are going to stick this out and be close with these people. So with any church you go to, you've got to compromise. It's like a relationship of any kind. I don't think that you're going to find a perfect church, a perfect yeah. church building. Like we, the church as Christ's bride just is are flawed. Yeah. Are flawed. Yeah. yeah. We're made yeah. up of humans. Yeah. So I do you think, think you need you to think, overlook. Yeah. If you think you're at the perfect church and you're probably up for disappointment. You <laughs> yes, know? definitely. So that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. I'm just saying we found people that we really knew were good for us to be around and chose to develop friendships with them. Exactly. And I think Katie and I were able to confidently go in to this church because we knew what were non-negotiables for our family. We knew what we wanted to pursue as a family. And I think that when you go into, for instance, a church, you're going to have to, it's just, it's again, we loved our church and I disagreed with a number of things that were even taught. Um, not the, not the majority. I, we, I agreed yeah. with the majority, mm-hmm. but from time to time they were, they were to rise you know, subjects or situations that I disagreed with. But again, I just saw the value in the community and being a part of it. And since a lot of our non-negotiables were being, I guess, met, or we were agreeing with a lot of the non-negotiables, we were really able to forge those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a whole different podcast, I feel like, on just finding a church, because that is something that we are looking for right now. Mm. And so we're kind of trying to figure out how do we do that? I have gotten asked that question a lot. Like, how do you find a church? And I'm like, I don't know. Like Mm -hmm. the last one we went to, I had a connection 14 years back Mm -hmm. and I chose to reach back out to that connection. And that's how we found the church. So yeah, that's just a whole other journey. But I think it is cool that you can form communities at a church or you can just have someone over from 
your husband's workplace or your yes. workplace or meet someone at the library, find out they're a Christian. They have, you know, three kids or whatever. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to just be a church. Yeah. And I would say Katie and I have enjoyed probably all of the dinners or maybe 90% of the dinners that we've initiated and have hosted. Mm -hmm. But that said, a very small percentage of those we've carried on close friendships with. Yes. So I'm saying that to say that it's not like we just bat a thousand and inviting people over and hitting it off with them and going deep. There's a lot of people that we've invited over, had a great time, but you just, I think, kind of mutually understand probably, you know, early on into your dinner that you just view life differently or you're going different directions with your life. And so you can respectfully kind of acknowledge that and move on with your lives and not feel obligated to carry on a deep friendship. Yeah, I heard this from someone and they said if they really want a friendship, they reach out three times. And at that point, if the other person doesn't reciprocate, then they just let it go. Hmm. And I mean, I think three times is a lot to reach out. Typically, if Elisha and I reach out one time and we didn't really feel a huge, you know, urge to connect with them again and they didn't reach out to us, then we are just like, let okay, yeah. that was probably good. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting Yeah, concept. I like having that three times in my brain because the reality is, is there's there has to be reciprocation at some point. Mm-hmm. And so even though we're huge advocates of initiating and being proactive and creating friendships and making friendships, clearly there has to be some reciprocation in order for it to continue and for there to be any longevity in that re- friendship. Yeah, I mean, after three times, I'd probably start being an, like feeling like I was annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, like, no, we really need to go to the park and hang out. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. I don't want people to feel like they have to like evade my advances, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I think that like practically speaking, Katie and I have oftentimes talked about this is that, again, you f- you are, you're probably working with somebody. You're able to visit different churches within your town and really be proactive about seeking people out. A lot of times Katie and I will base who we reach out to off of how they look. We'll go to it. We'll visit a church and you can see them sitting in church with three young children. And we're like, man, we've got three young children. They've got three young children. Yeah we might have something in common in addition to the three young children. Let's go track them down after church and see if we can't invite them over. And and so I think you can kind of use that, those surfacey things to reach out to people when you're at church or when, like like you said, Katie, when you met my coworker and you found out that he has four children, mm-hmm. um, you're like, we should have that guy over. You know, we should have him over and talk about family and talk about children. And so I think when you're able to connect through church or work and, or for me, a big reason I think I've been able to really feel always an abundance of relationships are through my hobbies of sports and music. Mm-hmm. I think those are, those have really been a blessing to me yes. where I've always felt that camaraderie with somebody. And a lot of times when you're playing sports and you find the one other believer, it makes it even more enjoyable because you like are really able to go deep with that one believer. So I think that finding friends through hobbies, through work, through church and those practical outlets is the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot speak for every person in every town, but I have experienced a lot of different towns growing up and we always found some form of community to connect with. And Mm -hmm. it might not have been the ideal community, but we were never friendless as a family. We Mm -hmm. were never lonely. There were always people we could call. And I think that's really important. I've heard from some gals on Instagram that don't have anybody that they could call or that they can, that they have as a friend. Yeah. And they've been in a location for a year or two years. And I just really want to encourage you that it doesn't matter what 
town you're in, you can find someone, Mm -hmm. I think. Now, obviously, I'm not, you know, God, so I'm not (laughs) omnipotent. I don't know everything. But from my experience so far, I really believe you can make a community anywhere. Yeah, and you and your family have lived in an array of towns. I mean, the variety is pretty great to inner city to like you said really rural yeah and towns. I, yeah exactly like some people would maybe not expect to you know have a great community in a really tiny town or some people would be like what the center of los angeles how are you going to find you know like-minded believers down there yeah. and you guys we found some of the most awesome believers down there who even did random things like we did like homeschool <laughs> down yeah. in the middle of los angeles yeah. so there's just there literally are people anywhere and you just have to be willing to reach out put yourself out there to find them i agree and i think that this is it's interesting because like i said at the beginning because i grew up playing music with my family we've visited hundreds of churches and from about the time i was 16 years old on so for like the last 10 or 15 years it seems like every sermon we would hear when we were visiting these churches would have something to do with the importance of community and the importance of building community. It seems like people, especially at least for the last 10 years, have really been harping on the importance of community. And Mm -hmm. that's obviously because it's coming from a place of need. You know, it seems like there must be a void out there. And I definitely hear that amongst young people and amongst fellow families, that there is a void when it comes to community. And something that I don't hear very often is people really taking ownership of that and saying, man, we moved to this new town and, you know, we just, we couldn't find any community. So we decided to make community. I don't hear that that often. Mm -hmm. I usually hear it from the reverse standpoint. If we just could not find community, nobody ever had us over. Nobody Mm -hmm. reached out to us. And again, I'm not saying that's easy. That's hard. That's, that's definitely hard. But if it's something that is worth it to you, then you will make the effort to, um, to make it happen. I think. And, And again, I think like Katie said it best, like when you're in a marriage, you really can only control yourself. And if you want an abundant marriage, then you take 100% responsibility in doing what you can do to make that happen. Well, I also like what you said, where don't feel bad if someone's not having you over. I guess I have the mindset, I don't expect anyone to have us over for dinner, Mm -hmm. ever. Like, I've never had that assumption. Mm -hmm. I just assume that we're going to do all the hosting because we live in a culture where very few people like that committal come over to my house kind of a thing so i'm just planned to do all the hosting if someone has us over it's always like wow well that was a fun thoughtful treat yes but i think going into it with that mindset of these people have stuff going on we're the new people we're gonna do the initiating can just really control the outcome i think yes yeah because i think that even a few of the people that we've had over since moving here have been really surprised. They're like, oh man, we feel bad. We feel like we should have invited you guys over first, but we just didn't have that mindset. I literally don't think that. Yeah. I'm like, no, you guys have like so much going on. Yes. People people have a lot going on in their life. Yeah. Yeah. So just don't take it personally, I guess. People have a lot going on. It's not that they don't like you or want to get to know you. Yeah. That's right. They probably would love to get to know you. <laughs> I know. Katie I know I we would. Yeah, I know we would for sure. I know. <laughs> So anyways, I hope this was helpful for you guys. We're just, again, sharing from our experience. We are not community experts or friendship experts or anything like that. I know I can speak for myself. I think Elisha's a really good friend. I really want to become a better friend. And it's definitely work for me to reach out to people because 
I'm pretty content with Elisha being my only friend. So I have to force myself out in that way. But this is just from our experience. So it is. And it's coming from a place, like I said, and of never feeling a huge absence or a void in this. Even when we sought out a community like we did in Bend, we are coming from a place of feeling very secure and loved and supported by our family. Yeah. And it would be hard if you've like been burned in a community yes, or have had a bad taste in your mouth mm-hmm. or something like that to put yourself out there again. Yes. And I guess we haven't experienced that rejection maybe yep. that could make you a little gun shy. Yeah. Or a reason to not trust people. You know, yeah. I think we've just had a great experience, a great childhood. And so really what we're looking at this, the perspective we're looking at this from is, what did our parents do? Why did we feel like we had so many great friendships growing up in addition to our sibling friendships? And I think we're also looking at it from the perspective of this is important. We want to build this. Yeah, We our, want to learn how to build community. So this, these are some things that we've like learned thus far. Hopefully we're going to get a lot better at it mm-hmm. over the next few years. And we don't know where life's going to take us. We might end up in some towns where we don't know anybody and we're just starting completely from scratch as Elisha and Katie Votberg. But I'm looking forward to that as a challenge too. Yeah, me too. I think it would be a good challenge and it would be good for us. It would stretch us. That's for sure. Right on folks. Well, thank you for listening as always. Katie, are there any big announcements that you'd like to make? Well, we aren't pregnant. Nope. (laughs) So, you know, there's some exciting things on the horizon, but I think we're keeping our mouths shut for right now because we have to execute. Yeah, we've got to deliver, Elisha. Okay, okay. So hopefully this was a good little teaser for you folks. (laughs) We've got some fun things coming. We've got some really fun things coming. Okay, all right. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Yep. Fantastic. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. (laughs) We would love it if you left a rating or a review or if you reached out to us on any social media platform that we're on, namely Instagram. That's really the only one we're both actively on. Yeah, I don't have Facebook and Elisha doesn't check his messages. On Facebook? Yeah, right. on Facebook. Yeah, so Instagram's the one that we are on. Folks, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>